Welcome to the Success Inspired Podcast, a business and personal development podcast to help you accomplish more in life and realize your true potential. And now here is your host, Vit Muller. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Success Inspired Podcast. My name is Vit. I'm your host. And today with me, my guest today is a successful martial arts business owner of Dark Carnival, a leading martial arts facility offering Muay Thai, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, strength and conditioning and personal training all levels of experience out here in Canberra, Australia. He is a seasoned martial artist himself who likes to challenge the status quo of martial arts and people's own beliefs in what they can or can't achieve. Please welcome to the show, Mitch Langman. Thank you very much, good sir. Mitch, great to show, mate. I must say, personally, being, being a member in this facility, I'm very impressed what you've done, but obviously nothing happens overnight, right? So no, no. Where did you, where did you begin? How did you begin with this? Uh, so I started training Muay Thai when I was 13 and I got into it with, uh, because my older brother. So, uh, you know, typical thing, he started doing it. Uh, so he's three years older than me, so he would have been 16, him and his mates were doing it. And I begged and pleaded. And then when he said no, of course, I just pulled the ace card and made my mum tell him to take me to training. How old were you uh, 13. 13. Yeah. So I like that you seasoned. Uh, it's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, went along, loved it from the get-go. And, uh, yeah, what are we now, 25 years later? Okay, so you're uh, 38. Yeah, 38. And, um, yeah, never really stopped doing Muay Thai. Um, dabbled with rugby a bit and other, st- other styles of martial arts, but... Yeah, Muay Thai was just the constant throughout. 25 uh, for, years. Yeah, 25 years. So when you, when you talk about like a seasoned season martial artist, uh, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a long time yeah. doing martial arts. Yeah, it is. And uh, still learning, still learning. So there's no one way, to, one way to teach it, no one way to learn it. And, you know, every day there's something new that comes out of the woodwork somewhere. It's fantastic. I love it. What are some of the benefits, obviously, in 25 years... You know, initially you experienced benefits, but let's talk about like a short-term initial benefits that you've experienced in your first few years doing martial arts as a kid, to to benefits more of a life benefits that you that you've now know about more of a wisdom-based kind of thing. Yeah, I mean the 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 initial ones that leap straight to mind is it's fun, it's fitness. You're getting stronger, fitter, faster. You're learning new skill sets, so it's amazing. But the wisdom part is, uh, is kind of what is most important for me and rings true uh, because, you know, when you're 13 and, you know, you watch the action movies, you watch the, you know, typical things when you're a kid, yeah. you go, I need to learn how to defend myself. Yeah. And realistically, and I mean, especially in Australia anyway, in Canberra in particular, there's not really that much, you know, uh, like gang violence. There's not anything of that nature. Mm. Um, but there is still the typical schoolyard bullying, um, you know, you might have familial situations, all that kind of thing. So having that kind of in the back of your head, this, this plan, okay, cool, if it goes down, I know how to defend myself. Mm-hmm. That's obviously very important and it's very empowering. But it was only something that I realised that as I got older, uh, I don't think I valued it anywhere near as much when I was a child. Uh, a young teenager and a young young male. Mm. It was only when I was 32, 33, 34, I went, oh, man, this is actually really useful. 
Uh, I mean, how come, so the reason you weren't valuing it back then is because you didn't really experience bullying yourself or? No, 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 so I've got big ears. I had a funky haircut at the time and yeah, I got massively bullied and okay. uh, just because of shit that happened during my childhood. Yeah, definitely got bullied. But um, it was something that, uh, again, you kind of think, okay, either I have to fight or I don't have to. Mm. Um, whereas when, when you get older, you realise that you don't really have to fight. Like, ever. Uh, it's all just ego waffles, effectively. Yeah. So, you know, you, you can't pay a mortgage with street credit. Uh, <laughs> but when you're a kid, you think that's super important. Oh, people are going to think or people are going to say. And, you know, in this day and age of now, you know, keyboard warriors and et cetera, and yeah. people jump online, they can absolutely talk crap about you. Mm. But it doesn't matter at all because they are not going to come to you. They're not going to say it to your face. They're not going to anything. And even if they do they're probably not going to hit you yeah. or actually mean you violence. They just try to, you know, assassinate your character effectively, which as a child is the most important thing. And then as you get older, you go, oh, man, I probably shouldn't have wasted so much time thinking about what others thought of me or mm. cared of me, that kind of thing. And that was probably the biggest takeaway from it is that, um, you know, as a kid, you're there going, oh, I've got to make everyone happy and have to... Uh, kind of keep up appearances and then yeah. you kind of go, well, why? Because um, obviously, yeah, as a kid, you don't have that maturity, so everything no. is about, you know, what other people, like, how, how do you fit with the, you know, with the other kids? What, yeah, correct. It's about that status, right? You don't want to be the last one that everybody points the finger at, right? Yep. So, absolutely. And then when you get older, like, it's a lot easier to shake things off. So what would be some of the benefits for, for older people, for adults? So obviously, bullying for kids... That aside, um, very important um, to, to get kids in this. But for adults, um, how, can, how can martial arts benefit somebody out there? Massively. Um, so from a health and fitness standpoint, obviously for a lot of people, sitting at a desk and I drove a desk for, you know, uh, seven to ten years, you know, thereabouts in public service and your body is not made for sitting mm. for you know, eight to 10 hours a day, it is just not. It is also not made for standing for 10 hours a day either. But, you know, martial arts is that one hour, two hours, possibly a night, maybe two to three times a week, mm -hmm. that you can just move your body in this really uh, dynamic fashion. It's multiplanal. So if you're doing Muay Thai, there's big rotations and turns and this kind of thing. Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, you're down, you're up, you're turning, you're trying to not get crushed, you're trying to crush someone. And so you're using your body almost how it's supposed to be used. Uh, so the longevity of the physical aspects is, is one thing. But then to be able to really embody mindfulness uh, and meditation in motion. Mm. So it's great to be able to sit in Zen-like, you know, meditate. Most people don't get that opportunity. Uh, for the majority of people, they walk through the door and uh, they could have had the worst day possible. They could have this big meeting tomorrow or, you know, this thing that they have to resolve tomorrow or the things happen during the day and uh, they jump on the mats and your brain can't be at work, your brain can't be at home, your no. brain has to be on the mats because for Muay Thai, you're calling pads, mm. you might be sparring, doing drill, and if your brain's elsewhere, then you'll be reminded you need to be here now. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you're trying to, you know, not let someone pass your guard. Uh, and if your brain's elsewhere, 
they'll pass your guard. Next thing you know, you're stuck in the you know, side control and it sucks. Then you've got to escape and your brain has to come back to you and go, okay, let's get out of this. So you're forced to be in that moment, which I think is just priceless. Mm. Gives you opportunity to also, st- uh, gives you opportunity not to have to think about work. Because I Correct. think that's another thing that we, Correct. that in the current society we live in, we're so like, there's, there's more in demand on getting more done at work. There's yes. more, you know, um, deadlines, and especially in the corporate world, you know, yeah, people are under pump, living fight or flight for most of the day. That's another thing people don't balance out that between homeostasis and fight or flight. And for those of you guys listening, just so you understand, homeostasis is the ability to, um, for your body to recover, rest, it's rest and recovery, mm. right? That's when your digestion starts to kick in back in and everything just functions. And it's so important to, to balance those two scales. I actually talk about it on one of the episodes with Rob Leon, if you want to listen to that specifically. But so back to the martial arts, I think perfect example, like a lot, lot of people might not be able to do the Zen thing, do the meditation yep, thing. It's difficult. Whether it's practically not possible because of time or, or they're just not really inclined. I mean, I know myself, I'm not really into meditation, uh, but I, I do find different workarounds. I maybe if I have a lunch, I try to, you know, try to eat mindfully. So try to not look at the phone and just really focus on 15 minutes, just focusing on the food that I'm eating and in a way that that's 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 a way for me to um, to de-stress and just switch off from work because that's, in a way, it's meditation too, I guess. Yeah, correct. And at one point during the day, do you do something for yourself? And that is something for yourself. So yeah. you rock up on the mats and as much as there are a team of people uh, who are there, you know, coaching you, training with you, holding pads for you, sparring you, rolling you, whatever it is. This is an individual sport, mm. but you walk that road with many people. So you're not here as part of a team. You're here for yourself, but others help you actually achieve. So it's this really nice um, kind of feedback loop mm. that you get. So you've got to be a good training partner. So your training partners can be good training partners for you and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, it's all for you. Yeah. It's not for the sake of your training partner, but it just comes part and parcel of it. So That's actually true. Yeah, that's actually true. That's one thing I've realized because I've, for the most of my time training and being fitness was, you know, lifting weights, the sort of the bodybuilding style training and then more of functional stuff, kettlebells, but always just my own training. But doing this over the last, you know, year and year, how long I've been, you know, sort of, I'm a newbie, um, but how long I've been doing it, uh, I have noticed that... Um, that it is that learning curve. Like every day you come in here, you learn something of, of somebody else, whether it be um, white belt, somebody on the same level like me, a newbie, or somebody that's uh, much much higher ranking, and you know, and you roll with them. And you know, everybody's very um, friendly and willing and supportive. I've not experienced any like competition in here as of i mean there is competition when you're rolling in a way but it's a friendly competition correct. there's no aggression correct that's exactly it and so it, it's a challenge and so of course i roll uh you know in competition um if it's myself and some of the other coaches mm. will roll uh you know to see who will win but it's not win at any cost it's not win you know like survival is on the line yeah um but it is that, that really healthy challenge of going, okay, I'm going to challenge myself, I'm going to challenge you in the process. Uh, your aim in this is to challenge me. That, that's, that's the respect that we give. That's why we slap and bump. It's I'm respectfully going to try and 
you know, stop blood going to your brain or take your arm out of the joint or whatever it is. In Muay Thai, we bow, we touch gloves. I'm respectfully going to try and punch you in the face. And I'm literally acknowledging, going, yep, I'm going to try to do the same thing back to you. There's nothing personal about it. There's nothing, um, you know, vindictive or spiteful or malicious. It's yeah. just purely the combative art. And that's what's so unique about it is embodies that. Not only the physical attributes, but you have to be mentally on and you have to be emotionally sound. Because if you get angry, yes, this is good. Say, yeah. that, that is one thing I've definitely noticed that controlling your emotion is critical. Correct. You, you have to leave emotions out the door. The moment you start to lose your shit is the moment you, you stop thinking rationally and your IQ goes down. Yep. It's the same thing like stress. When we're on the fight or flight, when we're pumping, working day to day under a lot of stress, your IQ goes down. Yes. Same thing. And you can't remember simple things like the technique you've spent years learning. You can't remember. Yeah. I, I distinctly remember, I think it was my third fight in Muay Thai. Uh, you know, a dude posted out and I, for the life of me, could not think of what to do. And I spent three rounds on the end of this dude's, like, just post. I was like, I don't know what to do. And my coach at the time was just yelling at me going, you do this every day. You know exactly what to do. I yeah. couldn't remember. Uh, you know, you were in the clinch and he jammed me up and I was like, I don't know what to do. I was like, I know exactly what to do. But because of the stress and because of that, the performance decreased, the intelligence decreased, could not think to save myself. What the hell did I have to do? Mm. And it just shows how much stress we can kind of create out of this uh, event, out of this environment. And go, uh, uh, yeah. It's not good. So it's, it's good because, uh, you know, it's very stressful when people first rock in. And uh, it changes very rapidly. Mm. And at first, it's you know, walking through the door is the first, the first test, so to speak. And then they step on the mats and they're a new person amongst other people. And you know, automatically is that, oh my God, they're so much better than me. It's like, they started exactly where you, no, they've only been training three weeks longer than you have. Oh my God. It's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a process. And Gross. you've started, so yeah. well done. But it is very stressful. And that stress can, you know, exactly put us in that fight or flight yeah. immediately. And most people just want to run off the mats straight away. It's like, no, 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 stay, stay, stay. It's okay, it's okay. Trust. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, we find out. So there's one thing, though, um, that is seldom talked about in martial arts, which is um, the benefit of adults to be able to test uh, what their belief is. Mm. So some kids went through school and they were able to, you know, uh, kind of bullshit their way through physical encounters. Yeah. They were the bigger kids or they were smaller kids with a really sharp wit and they may or may not have ever had to have thrown down with someone. Mm. They've never been physically tested. Uh, you've got other kids that they'd be, they were horrendously bullied or, you know, they were actually physically assaulted as, as kids and they've never revisited that as an adult. And so the development that, and the kind of growth. So in the first instance, and in the true usage of the word is to be humbled. Mm. Uh, that this person thinks, oh, I'm 10 foot tall and bulletproof and et cetera. And then they come in and a person, you know, half their size just mauls them on the mats yeah. and they cannot pin them. And next, you know, they're being submitted left, right and center. Beautiful. That is true. And they have this, they have this decision, then they go, uh, wow, everything in my life I thought was true is false. 
Now what do I do? Well, now you learn. Now you actually learn to honestly be uh, congruent as opposed to living this false story. Um, and on the flip side of it is someone who's very meek and mild and, you know, I've gone through horrendous bullying and that kind of thing, or as I said, an incident in their life. And then they come on the mat and they discover that, oh, wow, I can actually do this. I can actually be violent mm. and I can actually take a punch. I can actually, wow. And confidence goes I've up. I've been terrified of this because the last time you encountered violence, you were seven or 16 or something. You were a child. Mm. You, were, you were not built for it and you were not prepared for it, mm. but now you've got an option. And they go, this is amazing. I was terrified of, <clears throat> you know, confrontation. Yeah. It would affect me at work. So if I would, uh, you know, get into a conversation with someone and, you know, a boss would come down and go, what, 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 and I know they're wrong. And, you know, but now that I've kind of been exposed to violence, I'm not worried about that other thing that might happen. And so uh, to see that growth in people is amazing. And then for me personally to have that experience several times, working in public service, you know, dudes would come down super aggressive, super angry because they've got the very sharp, you know, uniforms and medals and whatever and they're, they're tearing into you and you're just going, you're not going to hit me. So can we please sit down and have a conversation? Yeah. Stop trying to intimidate me. It's not going to work. But you wouldn't be able to be so direct with them and say that if you didn't feel confident. Correct. Because if I'm worried about the physical outcome, yeah. then... You know, Even oh, that's not being re realistic anyway, but correct. it's just based on the past beliefs yeah. and Bingo. experiences. And if you bullied as a kid, oh, no, it's happening again. I'm yeah. about to get my... Phrase. Yeah, exactly. Oh. And intelligence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Da, da, da. Next thing you know, you're in the wrong. Yeah. Whereas especially if you know you're right, fight for it. <laughs> and just go, no, you're wrong. And I know I'm right. And here's the data. And I know you're very upset and emotional right now, but let's keep it to facts. It, keep, it gives you a stronger ground to stand on. Very, very. And a good example, resolving conflicts, right? This is a good example. Any other good examples of how martial arts can help people resolve so conflicts? The, the, funniest, uh, the funniest thing that I've always been asked is, oh, you must, you must have gotten in heaps of fights when, when you were younger. And it's like, no, actually, I walked away from all but four. And the four, one of them was me just being 18-year-old you know, drunk and stupid mm. and not being situationally aware. I didn't start the fight. I definitely didn't end the fight because it ended up being jumped, like literally stomped by three people. Mm. It was an interesting experience, that's for sure. Um, and, you know, the other three were just uh, instances which, you know, I was able to resolve because of skills. Mm. You're going, sweet, that's great. But every other time it's happened, self-preservation and just the... The knowledge that I don't have to do this allowed me just to walk away from violent confrontation. Because again, like punching on at the age of 17 or 18 in the city, you go to court, I go to court, you go to hospital, I go to hospital, we both go to hospital. It's like, what's the point? This is ridiculous. And mm. over what? So it gave me that, that understanding that this is not necessary. This is not worth it. Mm. Um, and it was very difficult. My ego was going, no, but you know, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna, they're gonna think less of you. They're going to, people are gonna shun you. You're gonna be, uh, you know, uh, weak. And I was like, no, no, they don't. 
And then as I get older, yeah, it's more, it gets reinforced more and more and more and more. And uh, just several instances of, you know, public service life, having people very much finger in chest and stop that, please. Like, mm. what are you going to do? You're, you're trying to physically intimidate me. It's not happening. Can we please have a discussion? I'm just going to walk away because you're not going to do anything and you're not getting your point across. Yeah. So it gave me that, that kind of, uh, as I said, escalation process as opposed to just fight or flight. There's a, that dimmer switch being able to turn up that little bit. Mm. Then you're able to zero in more and go, okay, do I want to be passive? Do I want to be assertive? Or do I want to be aggressive? And it gives you those kind of three options and then you can flesh those out even further. How assertive am I going to be? How aggressive am I going to be? When is a good time to be passive and go, That's, this is a situation I probably shouldn't be in, I'm out. So, yeah, it, gave you, it gives me that, that broad scale as opposed to just one of two options. Yeah. So we covered benefits quite thoroughly and, uh, and I hope that this inspires the <laughs> listeners that are listening right now about considering this. Now, understanding the benefits of doing something is one thing. But getting started, yes. if you're in a really tough sport, psychologically, maybe you're going through some tough time, depression, and, or you've been bullied, maybe you're you know, a kid listening right now that you know, has been bullied a lot, getting that confidence to even step out the front door and going to some local gym might be actually really difficult. Yes, very. What would you recommend? So it's about this point that I like to touch on uh, the concept and the importance of the story. Mm. And, you know, any, any good book, any good movie. So if I was to ask you, what, what's your, like, favourite number one movie? Number one movie? Oh, man, you got me there. Look, I, I think uh, the one that I really like is, um, you know, Pulp Fiction is a good example. Yeah, right. Or so, Fight Club. I like Fight Club. So Fight Club, great. Yeah. Yep, so Fight Club's a great example. Um, because it is a true case in point. So you go, okay, so who's the, who's the main and, uh, protagonist, who's the main antagonist, you know, all that kind of deal, and what characteristics that, and that does that individual have? Mm. Um, you know, uh, for, when I speak to a lot of people, uh, they use Harry Potter as the example. I love the Harry Potter books and the movies are great and all that kind of thing. And you ask what the story of Harry Potter is and, oh, well, he's a kid and he's a wizard and... You know, he, uh, he goes to uh, Hogwarts and, you know, people try to kill him because he's this and that and whatever. And then, okay, but that's not the full story. What happened to him at birth? Oh, mm. there was more to it. Right, so he had a tragic upbringing. He had the call to adventure and he rose to the call to adventure and he went to it. And what was the outcome? Well, he met friends. There was trials. There was adversity. Uh, there were lessons learnt and there was confrontation at the end of the nemesis, effectively. Mm. And he overcame it. And, you know, but here's the story of Harry Potter. He's born a wizard, went to Hogwarts, he lived a happy life. You wouldn't watch that movie. It'd be a boring movie. Yeah. So you get people and they go, okay, well, I've been severely bullied, I'm massively overweight or I'm unhealthy or et cetera. Uh, I went through a very traumatic childhood Incident happened, I'm on a bad end of a relationship. Um, you know, there, there might have been specific traumatic events that happened in a male or a female's life. Um, 
And then, okay, but then what? Oh, then I went to a martial arts gym and I discovered myself. I went to a, even a weights gym mm -hmm. and I started to feel, and I built this sense of community. So there's the call to adventure, there's your comrades. And then what? Well, then I decided to test myself. Okay, by doing what? Well, I went in a bodybuilding competition or I went in a uh, strongman competition or uh, BJJ competition, Muay Thai, whatever it is. And then what? Oh, and that journey was amazing. And okay, so what have you learned? Mm. Like, I've learned so much about myself that I, I didn't even know was possible. You would read that book, you would watch that movie. But here's the story of an individual who is, you know, very you know, terrified due to experience as a youth. Uh, all of these adversities are heaped against them, real or perceived, uh, and they avoid it. Mm. And that's it. And so they've kind of subscribed to that life of mediocrity, which is absolutely fine if that's what you want. But for a vast majority of the population, they're not made for mediocrity. You're not made for medio uh, mediocrity. I'm not made for mediocrity. No. So we haven't done it. Uh, but for a lot of people, they see that as the only option mm. because they're just kind of following the narrative yeah. and the story. Screw that. Uh, you know, the, the scene out of Fight Club, which is the best, and, you know, uh, Edward Norton's in there with Brad Pitt and uh, Brad Pitt's in the tub scrubbing and he goes, I asked my dad, um, you know, Dad, what do I do? He goes, oh, I, well, you go to school, you get an education. Okay, Dad, I've got my education, now what do I do? Well, you get a job. Okay, I've got my job, now what do I do? Well, you find, you find a partner. Okay, now what do I do? Well, you build a house. Okay, Dad, I've done all those things. Now what do I do? And his dad turns around and says, you tell me. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's like, wow, that, is that it? Is that it? Yeah, it's like, it's like, a, like instant soup recipe and this is what everybody should be doing. And it's like, no. Nah. Correct. But if that is for you, amazing. And people are extremely happy and I do not begrudge them or try to pull them. No, 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 no. But if you are unhappy in any of that, if it is not fulfilling, yeah. it's because you're not made for it. And you'd know, you'd know if you're not being, if, you, if you're not feeling like you're fulfilling your life, you know it because you feel miserable and you constantly dream about what could be the alternative, but you never get the courage to overcome the fear. Correct. And I think, a good strategy there could be what you said, you know, you, you outline an example of the alternative and trying to write it down maybe even. Think about all the benefits that you can, you can experience by getting yourself outside that comfort zone, outside stepping that front door and visiting a martial arts gym in this example. Think about all the benefits that you'll, you'll experience, how is that going to improve your life, build more confidence, um, all, all the things that we've, we've you know, covered. Write it down and then think about the alternative. If you're going to stay where you're at and, you know, we only have one life um, as far as I know. So trying to imagine it like a scale, right? Where is the scale tipping? Because if, if currently you're thinking about the fear and I don't really want to do it and all that, I'm going to experience all that bullying again or whatnot, you know, that, that inner, inner voice. And if, if you just keep telling yourself that, then, then, yeah, surely the scale will keep on tipping that way. So you need to start focusing on the, on, the, on the alternative. And as long as that list is longer, the list of positive is longer than the list of the, you know, the other side, then uh, I think that's, that's a good way to make, 
make that commitment yeah, because definitely. we talk about fitness, right? When you talk about fitness, you've got those five steps. You got the first step that I can't remember specifically, but from memory, it's the first step. You don't really, you're not really like ready. In the second step, you start and think about it. Third step, you're you're actually considering it. Fourth step, you're actually planning the action. And then you, the fifth step, you do the action. Yeah. Something along those lines, right? Yeah, uh, so consideration, uh, so awareness, consideration, um, engagement, yeah. uh, or preparation, I should say, and then yeah. engagement, and then outcome, activity, yeah. yeah. So, again, you've got five steps. Um, so if you, uh, and again, talking to you guys listening, if you're thinking about you know, doing the action, then that's like a big jump. Just get yourself to the next step. What is the next step? Well, just trying to get yourself into the headspace of considering it and try and do it every day. Um, so you're entirely correct. Um, it's the good old adage of, um, you know, the definition of insanity, which isn't the actual definition of insanity, but we hear it recited a lot, which is doing the same process, expecting a different outcome. So if this is one of those things that is, is that difference, so difference in the process, so you kind of know what you've done so far. How's that working out for you? Mm. And exactly to the listeners and you know, the guys watching this now, if, uh, if you've kind of been running this loop, well, break the loop, like start. It will be uncomfortable. It will be you know, very scary because uh, one thing we don't do anywhere near as much as adults is we step into this uh, state of vulnerability. Mm. Because uh, we like to think that, no, I've got my, you know, my shit locked down, I've got my mind, I've got my body, I've got everything okay. It is what it is. And I really don't like it. Mm. And to go back and address or challenge that, you're going to have to put yourself into a state of vulnerability. Um, you know, to have someone uh, in the workplace start a new job, people go, okay, fine, I'm going to have a team leader, I'm going to have a manager, I'm going to have whatever, I'm going to rise through the ranks, it's absolutely fine. But for someone to step on the mats and uh, actually face that, you know, I can't bench 50 kilos. Shouldn't I be able to bench 50 kilos? Mm. It's like, no. Like, we know this, but you don't. You think you should. Shouldn't I be able to punch someone? You think you should be able to. It's not that easy. Oh, I can wrestle. No, you can't. No, you can't. And you never have. Oh, but I remember years ago when you were a kid. Yeah, that's right. No, you haven't addressed any of this. And so to be thrown again in that state of vulnerability, and it is again and again and again, because the perceived kind of barriers that we put up, mm. we realize they're false. And then we rip them down and then we see more ahead and we go, oh my God, there's more barriers. Oh wait, they're perceived as well. Rip, rip, rip. And then you realize that, wow, I was just really working against myself for the longest time. Yeah. This, this, is, this has been an enlightening process. But you have to make that first step. Yeah, which is when then people go and talk about midlife crisis, right? I think it's usually between 40s and 50s, yeah. right? Midlife crisis, you realize, oh shit, I've been really pursuing my dreams, and and now you realize that you're, yeah, you haven't really fulfilled it. So it is about getting yourself outside comfort zone, continuously challenging yourself because that's how you grow personally. And like, this show is all about that. This show is called Sex is Inspired Podcast, whether it be personal development or business. For those of you guys listening, if you're, if in, if you're living a life of mediocrity and you want to change it, then yeah, just get yourself outside comfort zone. And sometimes that might require you to, 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 get, to get somebody to kick you in the butt. You know, I, I've been considering for some time, although a bit more difficult now because I've got a son, 
but I've been considering the idea of you know doing like one of those fitness trips. Literally put myself in and like lock myself down, like you know, not a prison, but like go going you know to an environment where I, there is a, somebody that will force me to do things. Like for example, one of those fitness um, camps, like going to Thailand. Yeah, I mean know, Th- for a, Thailand for is a, a great example yeah. of that, right? Um, and people do it all the time. They come back and they go, oh, Muay Thai was amazing. Or, and they've got so many you know, camps and gyms and whether it be Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu orientated, just general fitness, strength, conditioning orientated, or Muay Thai, and there's yoga retreats, there's everything over yeah. there. Um, you know, and yeah, you lock yourself in and you go, okay, I'm going to go to this place and, you know, they will come around and they'll wake you up. And if you want to live and breathe a, a fighter for argument's sake, they'll kick you out of bed You'll go for a you know, five-kilometre run in the morning. Then you'll come back, skip, do pad work, clinch work, whatever it is, eat, rest, and then back on the mats for another three-odd hours, yeah. rest. And then they might take you to fights in the nights and that kind of thing, but then you sleep, wake up, repeat. It's good awakening because you, you also learn a proper, proper way of looking after yourself. Obviously, they give you the right food. You get the right nutrition. You get... You get discipline. You get discipline, even if it's a short one week or two weeks. I think that's enough, because it's so intense that when you come back, and that's I'm just talking of not experience, but what I believe it's it is to be um, that when you come back, I think that that gives you that good reset button, and then you're more likely to actually continue with that discipline, join a local dojo, and carry. Yeah, on. very, very. It's um, yeah, people have those experiences, and they go, okay, I'm going to go uh, climb a mountain for argument's sake, and they lock in, they go to, you know, uh, whichever mountain it is, and they do this experience and they come back richer for it because mm. they've gone, they've set their mind on a thing and they've done it. And uh, they might have taken people with them, but generally they do solo, they go for a long hike. But most of these things are physical in nature, mm. so they're tangible. They're not necessarily meditation retreats. They're not necessarily, um, you know, uh, just kind of a holiday, they go and there's an actual challenge and they go, okay, I want to do this challenge. I want to do it for six days or the hike or whatever it is. And they come back and they go, okay, I did that. Wow, I did that. Like, yeah. It's amazing. I did this thing. Okay, now what else can I do? Yeah. Because if you've kicked that goal, now let's set the bar higher. You know, it strengthens your integrity, right? Yeah. It strengthens your own, um, um, your own, like how you're disciplined. Yeah, and I mean, you know, weightlifting is the most tangible out, you know, uh, outcome ever. You go, okay, I'm going to start with 50 kilos on the bar. Mm. You go, right, okay, so now I've done 50 kilos. Can I do 60? Wow, I did 60. Can I do 70? Wow, I did 70. And you'll peak at some point, but then you need to make a decision. Right, do I make everything else loop back in so I can keep, because it's not just a matter of, you know, benches, other muscles, groups, and yeah. other training that goes into it. But seeing how far you can go and how, okay, how long can I do this for? Mm. And you now have to, exactly discipline. And that's now the goal and tick, let's go. Because it might just be a case of, well, okay, I'm not, I'm not gonna be able to push past that number. Um, let's say 130 on bench press, I think mean, that's pretty pretty good. Yeah. And based on your lifestyle, you know, you're not gonna be going full-time powerlifting. Um, so it comes to a point where you also have to realize, okay, well, that's, that's the end point. But then it's about, Okay, I don't maintain it. Yeah, exactly. The maintenance of it—that's what's going to keep my health. And then you look to your left, yeah. and there's deadlifts, and you go, "How much can I deadlift?" Hey, squats. How yeah. much can I squat? And it's like, okay, cool. So now you're kind of expanding the the horizons. 
So for you know people that do BJJ, um, you know there's there's stripes, there's belts, there's uh, competition. Mm. There's so many avenues for that kind of learning. Um, Muay Thai, you know, in traditional Muay Thai, there's no grading structure. You train, you fight. Um, but for here at DCMT, you know, our, our, our version of Muay Thai, we implement a grading structure because not everyone has that time nor the, the passion to jump straight into the ring. Mm. Uh, so it gives them clear, defined, tangible goals to be able to kick. Sweet. Go for that one thing. Okay, now go for the next thing. And it's harder. And then the next one's harder again. It gets harder and they're all physical. So, you know, do I expect a 50-year-old to be able to perform like an 18-year-old? No. But I expect you to kick ass as a 50-year-old. Like, yeah. Yeah. Do I expect you to be able to punch out as many push-ups in a minute as an eight? No. But I expect you to work your ass off for you. So don't just rock in going, oh, we'll see how we go. No, 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 wrong attitude. You actually brought up a good point. That is, you know, oftentimes... Now, working fitness industry myself, you know, sometimes people call you that might be interested in joining a gym, and sometimes you get a phone call from somebody older, you know, they might be in their 50s or 60s, and they're like, ah, oh, no, that's that's not 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 for me. That's all the young ones, or, or you know, that's past that's past me. That's stuff that I could do when I when I was a kid. What would you tell them? So the the oldest kind of active member we had in the gym, unfortunately, had to. Um, Due to Alzheimer's, he had to mm-hmm. pull back. Um, but he was 82. 82? 82. Far out. And he would hit pads, he would spar, obviously very controlled and very restricted. Yeah. Um, he would do jiu-jitsu, all this kind of thing, and he, he loved it. He was an old-school, you know, military and police, and then he just loved it. And it was the only thing that kind of kept him going until he couldn't go anymore. Mm. So, you know, for his safety and just everything that was his processes, he had to pull back, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, I've got, you know, several people, age of 60 plus, uh, and probably the biggest uh, kind of hang-up for them is just regret. Why didn't I do this when I was younger? <laughs> Why did I just decide to do this now? Like, I wish I had have had the time over. And it's like, yep, but don't hang on to that regret because you are doing it now. So, of course, it would be frustrating when they go, oh, if my back was, yeah. if I, yeah, of course. If I had more foundation. Yeah, right, but you don't. So how about let's move, let's, let's keep going. We can't, we can't live in the past. We can't live with regret. Um, but, yeah, for the, for the, for the you know, for the uh, infirm, for the elderly, for the, you know, out-of-shape individuals of the world, man, you've got, you've got an option and, and time is ticking. Go do it. Yeah. Absolutely. Obviously, you need to approach it more intelligently, but that should be down to your coach and your trainers mm. as well. So making sure that you don't, because they have a really good understanding of limitations and pushing those limits, whereas yeah. some people come and go, let's go. It's like, no, 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 stop. Calm. Slow warm up first, then. Yeah. We just start with the bar. Then we put weight on it, you know, that kind of thing. I just get frustrated when I... Or, or feel sad and when I when I hear people saying, you know, oh no, I'm too old, I'm that's that's it for me. It's like, well, I mean, you, you still want to have quality of life, and you still have certain things you'd want to be able to do, right? Your grandchildren, things like that. So I think, yeah, people should still, if they're in in that age bracket, you know, in that older past fifty type of thing, you know, um, I think people still should think about those skills again, you know, think about those benefits because. 
You know, I've interviewed people, as an example, a couple in their early 60s. They decided to sell the house, buy a boat, and they live on the boat. And they've got yep. kick-ass lifestyle, you know. They're sailing, so they've been physically active. And then you go, on the contrary, you might somebody else who is in their 60s who is not physically active. The body's deteriorated, deteriorating, whatever, you know how you say it. I'll blame it on my uh, English is my second language. Um, so, you know, so you've got those examples and you're like, well, I wouldn't want to be like that. I definitely want to be able to do things and, 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 and rely on my body to, to, to carry me through life. To be fit. Like my granddad, he's 80 and he's still top shape. He's, you know, he's still like, you know, his posture is great and, and everything. So like, I would certainly want to be like that rather than somebody else who's in the wheelchair and, you know, and just letting their posture slouch down and, and let their muscles atrophy and, and you know, and then have to rely on others to do stuff for you. That's bullshit. I'm not like that's bullshit for me. I don't want to have that life. Yeah. So the word I have trouble with is specificity. Specific. I can never get it. It's my brain not specific. Anyway, um, so you know exactly what we what we tend to have a tendency to do is to stop learning new things. Yeah. So it doesn't matter whether it's learning to play guitar. I mean, I've got the guitar there, which I'm. I've tried, is now my eighth attempt at learning to play guitar. Cool. I still suck. Um, you know, didgeridoo, I, I've played with and mucked around with and all this kind of thing, and I can do it. The cyclic breathing is constantly um, you know, a new thing. Um, but you get people and they, they might have played soccer and only soccer, mm. uh, football, um, their whole life. And they've done this one range of movement and one range of motion that specificity um you know is uh is detrimental down the track yeah if you've only played tennis that's detrimental if you've only done and as i said if you've only done muay thai as dynamic as it is that is detrimental if you've only done brazilian jiu-jitsu that's detrimental the good thing about the the martial arts that i find though is they open up to others so you want to be fit you so you want to do cardio so you don't just do muay thai you do run you do bike you do whatever it is, swimming. Uh, you want to be flexible. So you do stretching, you do mobility, you do yoga, you do Pilates, you do whatever. Um, you want to be strong, so you do weightlifting, you do to help aid this one thing that you enjoy doing and want to keep doing. So as opposed to narrowing it down to one movement pattern, it's actually multiple. Yeah. Um, in the example, you have people you know, sailing up and going onto a boat, they would have learned how to sail, maintenance, all this kind of thing. And so it doesn't matter if you're learning wood tech, like how to wood carve or whatever. Yeah. It's a new skill set and forcing that neural plastic, uh, plasticity to be able to rewire and rewire new movements and new knowledge. And it's the key to life. It's what keeps so many people young is they are constantly learning and doing. So not just reading, it's actually making it tangible uh, skill sets and practical skill sets. Absolutely. And it's not just about that physical betterment, it's also mental because when you physically challenge yourself, you're actually more sharp. If you if you improve the cardio, you get more oxygen in your body, in your body, your brain yeah. gets more oxygenated, you, you're more sharp. In an example of the guy with Alzheimer, I bet you that if he didn't didn't train, um, he his pro, his rate of progress would probably be faster. Yeah, correct. Right? Correct. That's probably why he put it off for so long. And having discussions with him, that was very much the case. Mm. Is if it wasn't for training, then it, w- it would have been over a long yeah. time ago. Quality of life. Mm. 
quality of life. Now I want to talk about your career and how do you transition into random yes. awesome <laughs> awesome gym. So you talk about working in a public sector. Yep. Um, tell, tell us just a bit of a you know short story about your career Sorry. and transition into the business owner. 13 years old, started off in the milk run, as do most kids. Uh, 15 to 18, did my, did my tour of duty in hospitality, which I think everyone should do a tour in hospitality or retail, because you'll learn more about dealing with people mm. uh, than any time in life. Um, and then from there, I uh, was engaged with the protective service, so APS, uh, doing logistics and technical support. And uh, from there, we got absorbed into the AFP. Uh, AFP, I became an armourer, so um, in the firearms identification uh, and armoury team. So I was fixing, maintaining the AFP's fleet of firearms, which was super cool and interesting. Like guns job. for the Australian Federal Police. Yeah, correct. Mm-hmm. So all the, all the short arms, long arms, whatever, that, that's what we did. Cool. It was super cool. Um, but as with like a lot of kind of governmental processes, it, the job changed uh, and I kind of got a bit, nah, it's not what I was employed to do, so it ended up being a bit of a desk job as oh, opposed yeah. to a mechanical job. Yeah. Um, so I joined High Tech Crime Operations and I worked in there for uh, several, you know, the remaining years and I just kind of reached that point where I went, I'm not, I'm not happy doing this. Mm. So I ticked over, um, ticked over, so I was training and coaching the entire time that I was working public service and uh yeah it kind of got to the point that um got long service leave and went okay i'm going to uh try this thing and lots of things happened so this was um december november 2012 Mm -hmm. and uh you know i'd already registered dark carnival as a as a business entity um i was training out of um so initially my garage and then at uh, the Jindera Super School, just using their hall. Mm-hmm. And then Stockade Training Centre, uh, they gave us the opportunity to run the Muay Thai program there. So like, wicked, let's jump on board. There's actually like a big gym. Mm-hmm. And everything was going really well there. I was getting more kind of put off by work. Uh, relationship was coming, a 10 year relationship at the time was coming to an end as well. Mm. So I was like- Time to reset. Let's do this. Um, so yeah, took the plunge. Uh, took my long service leave for as long as I could, milked it out for leave, uh, sick leave, everything just as long as I could. Yeah. And I was able to get my feet wet. June, June 6th, 2013, we opened up the doors in Woden at the first dark carnival. And uh, yeah, it was well received. We, it was going well. Uh, initially didn't pay myself anything because I was still getting my wage from you know, long service leaving, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, November 2013, I resigned from AFP. Pulled out the safety net and uh, let's go. Uh, yeah, many lessons were learned. Uh, was it easy? No. Um, a few years later, uh, my now business partner, Tash Ryan, she, uh, she bought in 20%. I was amazed that someone wanted to buy in mm-hmm. on my business. You want to give me money for training people. Okay, rad. Excellent. So she bought in uh, and then, yeah, we've been business partners, kind of been building the, partner, uh, the business since. And we went from, you know, 175 square metres to 200, and, uh, sorry, to 300 square metres. 
to then moving to Philip, which is 330 square meters. And just last year we took over upstairs and effectively now we have 680 square meters of training space. So let's talk about adversity. Because it's going well. <laughs> you guys done, yeah. So obviously really cool branding. Um, Actually, let's talk about that because I'm really curious. Firstly, why Dark Carnival? So, uh, when I was a kid, I read uh, Ray Bradbury's Something Wicked This Way Comes. And the whole idea of this carnival of morality, uh, where it's, it's attractive, it's nice, there's big lights, and you come and you are tested. Mm. And if you demonstrate love, care, compassion, and you pass the tests, then you are you're richer for the experience and for visiting the carnival. If you fail, you become part of the carnival and you're absorbed into the carnival. So you've got the, the tattooed man, not really related to me having tattoos, <laughs> but you know, and the vault tattoos of the people who have been absorbed in and yeah. you know, all this kind of thing. And there's, you know, the character, it's only a short story, but what it is, is it called again? something wicked this way comes. Okay. Uh, and it's about a dark carnival and you know, it's uh, it's it just kind of set the scene, and there were there was another book called Shadow Show, which uh, ran along the same premises, or premise, I should say, <clears throat> um, and that was fantastic. And as a young kid, I was like, "Wow, these are really cool concepts," and I like it because it's the duality of it, mm. and the 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 concept of duality kind of ran through my entire life. So dark being darkness, carnival being light. Uh, so dark carnival, I see, I understand. That's why I have tattoos on half my body. So from the head down to the toe, it's one side of my body. It's the potential for two states to exist in one. Mm. That's the duality of nature. And you can have this really lovely, nice person who can also be this absolutely ferocious fighter. You could have this absolutely ferocious fighter who might be the most caring, loving individual you've ever met. And for me, that resonated very heavily as, as a child. Fast forward uh, to, you know, I think the age of 12, 13. And, um, you know, yeah, I came across uh, Insane Clown Posse. And they based their whole music on this ethos of the Dark Carnival. And I was like, rad, they've just fleshed out this concept, amazing. And so I was like, yep, cool, I vibe with this, this is rad. Um, some of the songs are great, some of the songs are absolutely terrible. Uh, but I really liked the, the, again, the concept and the story behind it. I was like, this is cool. And then, yeah, just, it always stuck in my head. I want to open up a gym called Dark Carnival. Cool. And that was since little and, you know, I just had this idea. This would be cool. I love that there is like a true meaning behind this name. Like there's some people open a business and they just put something that sort of a, rings cool or it's you know trendy but um yeah. sometimes there's not enough history to the name so i really I mean, like even it. even the first logo that we had which was the dcmt logo the dark carnival muay thai mm -hmm. uh it's the face split down the the center and it is quite literally me looking at my reflection so the right side is black and is uh fiery and has you can see kind of designs and tattoos and uh you know it looks angry uh the left side is white and it's, it has the dark offsets. But when you actually look at the logo, which one's smiling and which one's grimacing? Yeah. And it's actually the dark side that's smiling and the light side is grimacing. So, you know, it was, it was very good. And one, one, of, one of the guys I went to school with, Jordan, uh, Jordan Chick, I just said, dude, here's his ideas. And he came back with that and I was like, oh my God, you've literally He's just- He's a designer. Yeah. 
And uh, he just went, yep, cool, like, perfect. And so far, he designed like 90% of the logos we have. So that's um, how old branding evolved. Yep. Based on that idea, and he'll work in, you know, putting that creative mindset over the top yeah, of it. Yeah, correct. That's exactly like, it. You go on your website, um, darkcarnival.com.au. Yep. Um, you know, you guys go check it out because it's it's really cool. I, I, I like those, you know, those, um, those, you know, the the, the cards. Yeah, the cards. Yeah. yeah. And uh, even even that, like, not that it has anything to do with uh, the, with gambling, but you've just got to be able to play your cards, and having that ace in the hole is is so critical, it's yeah. so important to be able to go, okay, cool, let's see how you play. And a lot of, a lot of if, if people, for people that do play cards, uh, there's bluffs. Yeah. And you can play other people and there's, there's a whole lot of, you know, uh, kind of social engineering that goes into it. And that's no different to life. And one of the uh, branding aside, which is really cool, um, you also have a really good culture here in the gym. Everybody's friendly. We kind of talked about it as well. But your coaches are amazing as well. So how do you attract dry talent? Difficult. So very difficult. Um, so as far as the culture and the vibe and everything goes, uh, again, like I, I cruise around here and I forget that this is actually my gym. It's like <laughs> someone's actually created this. It's like, no, you created it. It's like, oh, shit, I did too. Um, but you attract like people. And so we never set out to be a fight gym. Uh, I train fighters and I train BJJ competitors, but that's not, that's not my interest, that's not my passion. Mm. It's part of the story and part of the journey, yes, but it's not, you know, so for a lot of people, they'll go, well, that's not, you know, uh, Muay Thai, because Muay Thai, you have to fight. It's like, no, you do have to perform, 100%, you do have to test. And so that's kind of what the culture has been born from. Uh, so two of my great mentors and really good friends in, in America, um, in LA, so uh, Jerry Wetzel from Centerline Gym, he's one that created Red Zone Threat Management, who I'm uh, you know, the Australian training director for, and then Chris Howder, who is the creator of Combat Base, mm. uh, you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu lineage. So Jerry, his kind of motto is, what is your test? And he, the, great, you just did, summed it up perfectly. And for Chris, he just says, think street, train sport, practice the art. We have to think street because we have to keep it honest. Would this work if I need it to? Uh, but you can't train street because in that way it lies one of two outlets. Either this uh, touch buttery in the park, I've killed five people but I can't show this move, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Or you end up injured, I end up injured in training because the moves work. Mm. But how do you train it safely? Well, you have to train in a sporting environment. And then you uh, practice the art, and the art is, your, is the development. So when you look at the martial art, the martial is a physical prowess, but the art is the mental and the emotional and the artistic uh, endeavour to be able to create more. Mm. So not just go, this is it. Well, that's not an art. That's, that's a dogma. That's a doctrine. That's it. There's no more to be discussed. It's like, no, it's constantly being created. I like a quote I heard recently that um, I think Mark Zuckerberg said is, um, don't be know-it-all, be learn-it-all. Yes. So you never stop. You should yeah. always pursue continuous learning and always seek more behind that, not taking it as an end state. Yeah, absolutely. And in, and in that, sometimes you will be wrong. Mm. You go, oh, I could have swore that was correct. Yeah. Wow, okay, interesting. Yeah. 
It's cool. Then it just changes your, your whole vibe. So yeah, so finding, finding coaches, and you draw those people in and you identify them, but not everyone has the same goals and aspirations. If it's chasing money, don't become a, like a personal trainer, don't become a, you know, a, um, a gym owner and trainer because the money is not six digits. It's not... You're not going to become a millionaire by... No, by but your... you'll be happy. You'll be fulfilled. You get to live and operate with these amazing people and, like, you get paid well, mm. but you could also go to public service and, like, I was on just shy of six figures and I'm way under half <laughs> that <laughs> at the moment. But I love my life. I, I've never regretted or resented a day of having to come in. Like, it's... Once I drag my ass out of bed, is that initial, oh, I'm tired, I'm sore. Yeah, but that client's expecting me to, and then I come in and I love it. It's amazing. Yeah. It's like, boom, okay, I'm here. Let's go. That's a really important point as well that you're bringing across is that what's a true definition of success? I was going to ask you that question, actually, yeah. but you, in a way, you just said it. Is, is you know, financial is it's just one element of, of, I mean, feeling fulfilled, but nobody's going to feel fulfilled purely on money. No. I don't know many people that are purely based on money. And the ones who are purely based on money, billionaires, I, he I hear often that they're not happy. They're living in their mansions alone and... and yeah, and I mean, it, it, it might give you opportunities that don't exist for mm. normal people, 100%. And if that's where your fulfillment lies, amazing. A great for you. Some people have fulfillment in just having families, having a kid, having, uh, you know, uh, loving wife, husband, partner, whatever it is, amazing, absolutely amazing. If that's where your fulfillment lies, then brilliant, you are successful. If it's not where it lies, then stop it. Yeah. Uh, exactly, so if you're just chasing that bigger house, if you're just chasing that faster car, because, and then you get that bigger car and you're, I'm not happy. Yeah. It's like, no, stop doing it. Like, you're just, you're stuck in this, again, insanity. Yeah. You're doing the same thing, expecting a different outcome. Oh, the, ne the next house, the next job, the next figure in salary will make me happy. It's like, no, it won't. People should question these aspirations Very. because oftentimes they're based on the external, based on something that Correct. happened in their childhood. Again, going back to that status and trying to chase that higher status because they want to be, they want to be loved. They want to, you know, they want to get more. They want to be acknowledged. Maybe they weren't acknowledged, and they think that by having better house, by having fancier cars, now now they can go and. You know, show off that you know, and, and think that that's 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 what's going to fulfil that. But it's it's not really it, is it? No. And if it is for that individual, then you'll never hear them say peep. Mm. But for a lot of people, that facade is now what they have to try and embody. It's literally like wearing a mask. Mm. Yeah. And true. that mask does slip. And hence we have forty, fifty year old going, "Oh my God, midlife crisis! I'm <laughs> miserable." Like, yeah, you are. Because it didn't really chase the right aspirations. Correct. That's exactly it. Um, and on the flip side of it, you might have people that it was all about raising a family. And they, the kids get to 18, 20 and parents, you know, the mum, dad scene, they're going, well, now what do we do? And they have another kind of midlife crisis. Yeah. It's like, well, my whole life was family. Now my family's doing their families. What do I do? It's like, ah, now you've got another problem. And it's certainly hard to like have that blueprint. Nobody gives you the blueprint. No. Blueprint. It'd be nice to have you know laid it out for you, but it just life doesn't work that way. Correct. But one way you can make sure that you live more fulfilling life is that you make sure that you you do what you truly enjoy doing. Yeah. What were some of the toughest experiences or challenges that you had 
whilst developing Dark Carnival. COVID. <laughs> but, no, so um, COVID aside, like COVID just screwed over <laughs> so many people, but it also uh, kind of forced us to pull the trigger on other uh, programs, packages, like the online academy, all that kind of thing, yeah. which is still in very much in its infancy. Uh, it's right at the moment, but we've got so much content filmed over like the four months we were shut down. It's ridiculous. We're it's still not plugging been, away. Not been produced it. yet. No. It's just being edited and, you know, Doug Hall does an amazing job of, you know, the, the editing and the filming and everything. But, my God, that, you know, now that kind of life's returning to normality, that's just on the back burner and we, we chip away at it when we can. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, look, the, uh, the hardest part, the, the biggest problem was starting off as a one-man show mm. and then it gets bigger than you and you go, okay, I need another person. So... My, my ongoing problem is that it's constantly uh, a lack of resources. Mm. And it's not finances, it's people. Because as you touched on, the people have to fit the culture and they have to fit your style of gym. Yeah. So recently we brought on, um, uh, you know, due to COVID, one of the black belts up in Sydney that we knew, he was out of a job. So we're like, dude, come down, we'll see how you go. English is not his first language. Um, is that Rodrigo? Yeah, Rodrigo, yeah. And he's doing a great job. He's getting much better at English. But he, he was the first person I've brought on that's external. I never coached him. I never trained with him. Um, whereas Rowan, Dan, uh, you know, Riley, Alexi, Michael, all of these dudes who coach here, I've trained them all mm. or I've trained with them. And so, you know, they know, the, they know the, how we roll. They know how we go, the, the culture, everything. Whereas Rodrigo came from his own and he's now trying to find his way in ours. So it's that constant learning process of what do we need to be mindful of? What does he need to be mindful of? And that is a challenge. It's not a bad one. It's a good one because mm. invariably we're going to have to do this time, time, time again. Otherwise we will be limited because the people don't always present themselves who will suit the job and suit the, con uh, the culture. Um, and again, it is rare as unicorns to find a Dan, to find a Riley, to find, you know, the, these guys who just go, yep, I'll do that because I enjoy it. And you go, sweet. If I could clone myself, this would be amazing, but I can't. So I need to find a like-minded but different because it can't just be me. It needs to be other people. They need to bring their own flavour. They need to bring uh, yeah. their own thought process. But it has to fit in with the culture and the vibe and the direction of the gym. Mm. Yeah. And how did you, in in example of Rodrigo being an external, I know he's he's black belt. In yeah, he's, he's a legit black belt, man. <laughs> he's an absolute beast. He's had his black belt for 10 years now. Like, you know, it's ridiculous. So were you just looking for a black belt to have in, in house? No, so we, we weren't looking for anyone. Yeah, uh, right. He, it just, the opportunity presented itself. Yeah, right. And, um, you know, I'd spoken to other people in Canberra, but they were already kind of embedded in their own gyms or doing their own thing and that's mm. absolutely great. Um, and then Rodrigo came about and we're like, okay, cool, we'll see how this goes. And he came in and he ran a workshop and we're like, okay, and he stayed and he did a couple of weeks of classes. I'm like, okay, this is, so we put him through like a trial period and it was fine. And then from there, we effectively just went, okay, here you go, here's the entire BJJ program. And that wasn't necessarily a mistake, but it was 
kind of me not realizing how much there is in the background of that I just went, oh, you'll understand. <laughs> no, there is so much in the background and the the you know the the beliefs of the gym, the direction, the ethos, and the training methodologies, everything that you assume that mm. well you've been here for two weeks, you should get it now, right? Wrong. Uh, and so, yeah, so there's, there's learning points and, yeah. you know, it's no harm, no foul. It's just learning effectively. Well, I've never had to train someone who knows more than I do. It's always been the other way around. So, mm. How do you approach training? Is, I mean, I would assume it's all, you know, hands-on, you know, in person, you know, on the mat, stuff to thank, training with staff, I mean, you know, in terms of that stuff. Um, or do you have any, like... So, manuals and stuff? So uh, we are slowly in process. So we have, you know, uh, coaches, coaching curriculums, you know, um, kind of rough framework because you never want to go, you know, this is what you're going to teach mm. and this is how you're going to teach. Uh, it's more a guideline of this is the direction we take, how you get there as long as all these boxes are ticked. Uh, and we keep kind of true to the martial art, then fine. But more often than not, it is through discussion. So we have a coaches catch up every Tuesday night and the guys go, oh, how would you do this? That's cool. How would you do this? And during the day, because we're all here, you know, 12 to 14 hours a day here, not necessarily coaching, but the guys will go, hey, quick question. Or, you know, Dan will be running someone. You'll go, hey, coach, quick question. Uh, how would you approach, or what's your protocol for? We go, yeah, man, like this, blah, blah, blah. Oh, sweet. And invariably you'll see them take notes and I'll come down a day later and they'll be doing the exact thing I just kind of told them to do. Yeah. They've refined it already and they've implemented it into their coaching game, into their coaching syllabus. It's like, yep, sweet, they get it. Awesome. I think key in all this is that you're not just an owner of this gym, that you're truly an operator here as well. So they get to see you. And yes. I think that openness, everybody, you know, uh, has opportunity to express their opinion or ask questions. Nobody, um, you know, like you've got this openness here being, being in the mats, coaches, everybody's very friendly. I think that, that really helps. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it, it reinforces my own state of vulnerability. Because uh, it's one thing, and this, this happens in a lot of martial arts gyms, is that, you know, you walk in and you bow to the person on the wall who's some legend of the gym mm. uh, or ancient legend of whatever. And, you know, the coaches are above uh, question. They're above uh, any kind of uh, challenge as well. And whereas I'm on the mats, I spar, I roll, and I get beaten. It happens. And it's not, oh, it's because of, uh, yeah. It's like, no, that was like high five to you. You legitimately got me in that guillotine white belt. Like, congratulations. I know why I got caught, but that was you just, you just like latched onto an opportunity. High five to you. It is not a matter of how dare you. (laughs) You know, how dare you beat me in front of them. No, high five. Well done. Excellent. Um, And same deal. The, The coaches are there and, you know, they see me here every day, every morning, late at night, etc., and doing stuff. So if, it, if it's that leadership kind of role and, well, here it is, proof in the pudding, let's, let's go. Yeah. Whereas if you were a business owner who's just doing it for building wealth, 
and removed yourself outside of that you know facility business then I think you'd be it'd be a lot harder to maintain a culture like you have unless you had some amazing manager who does that correct so my dad always used to say to me uh, you know um, you're either working on the business or you're working in the business and juggling those two is very uh, interesting to say mm-hmm. the least and sometimes they blur um, but working in the business, I'm constantly coaching, running classes, I'm coaching the coaches, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. and then working on the business, developing, uh, developing programs, the whole back end of the business, you know, the finances, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All of this stuff is what I do. So what's good, though, is that I've uh, engaged Dan as a gym manager. So he now is starting to take over a lot of the, the front of house and the day-to-day operation of the gym. So now there's that kind of separation between uh, business as usual and then the top end or the, the executive level decisions, which mm. is what Tash and I do. Yeah. He has vision on, but you know that, that's the stuff that he doesn't have to worry about. Yeah. So does he know about zero and not know the account keeping and the bookkeeping and the invoices and the tax and blah, blah, blah. No, that's all me. And, he, um, and he's, by the way, he's, he's perfect for it all. I mean, yes. his, his customer skills, like his communication yeah, with everybody. It's fantastic, yeah. Amazing, amazing. But he is, uh, he is human and he does, in his day of trying to manage a million and one things, he lets things slip. Yeah. And it's not a matter of going, Dad, how dare you? And performance managers, dude, dude, I understand you are super busy, but you forgot to send this email or this person reached out to us and you did not respond. Mm. We need to make sure the, the engagement, the experience of that engagement is like number one, yeah. please ensure. Yep, 100%, let's go. And so those errors are becoming less and less and less. Yeah. Have you heard of the book E-Myth by Michael Gerber? No. It's a great book that talks about in business you need to have three roles. Initially, we start with all three when we start as a solopreneur that's running business by just one person kick. And that is, we need to be technician, which is delivering the service technician, example being coach on the floor. You need to be a manager, and then you need to be an entrepreneur. And when you're starting out, you're kind of fulfilling all three roles. What you just said is you now got Dan, who's managing the gym, you've got great coaches, and then you position yourself more in that bigger picture role where you you know do the back end stuff and the business strategy. That's yeah, when you correct. want to get to. So the business, uh, the book, sorry, the book talks about a story of a baker that she always liked um, her mum's um, cookies. I think cookies was, and so she really loved them. And then she grew up. She was a teenager, and she learned how to bake them. And then she was an adult, and you know she really liked them. So she makes them for the other people, and people start buying them. And then a lot more people start buying them. And then you know she she suddenly had a big demand, and she just kept making the cookies. And then she just put somebody else in managing that and she just kept making the book making making those cookies and started hating it because of the volume. So she didn't never really she never really transitioned herself into the next the next next position. So it's a really good book and um, in a way you've got it set up, but I would still recommend reading it. Uh, it's if it's an book. audio if it's on Audible, I will get it. I'm sure it is, yeah. It's a quite fa- quite non book. Um, all right, so great Jim. Great branding, great culture, great coaches, and obviously great leadership in place. Um, but on the on the note of leadership, what's your definition? Because I like to learn, I like to hear other people's perspective on. Yeah, so um, I was actually uh, I think you saw the 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 post that Philippe 
put up uh, on leadership. It was a three-part uh, post that he put it on yeah. LinkedIn. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of drawing on that. And my, my, my comment and reply was drawing on just my experience over the years of public service. And especially when you have the role of a team leader, uh, you've, you've got your team member and then you have a team leader. So there's this specific barrier and not always was the team leader actually leading the team. Uh, they were just in the role. They, they, they ticked all the boxes, but there was actually a person in the team that led. Um, so for me, a leader has to be on the ground, has to be. Um, do they always have to be on the ground? No, but they should come from the ground. So they have to have experience of being led and also being a leader. So being able to direct people, to grow people, not only for the benefit of the individual of self, the individual of the, the, the individual team member, but also for the team itself. Now, should that person go to another team or lead somewhere else? Fine, absolutely fine. You've done your job really well. Like if you've created a leader, mm. perfect. Um, and hopefully they've left with that understanding that they need to lead as well as be led. Uh, and there's that constant balance in, in, in the play. So for me, leadership is you know, lead, leading from the front. It is, you know, do as I say, uh, sorry, I should say practice as you preach, preach yeah. how you practice. Um, practice how you play, play how you practice. So it's one thing to be, to, to say it, okay, now do it. And so this, this comes down to that whole level of being congruent mm. and making sure so good leaders are congruent. Not only can they lead, they can be led, but they also do as they say. It's not just a matter of, well, you do it. But how come you don't have to do it? Well, I'm separated by... Yeah, that's when you got, you got to check your ego. Correct, that's exactly it. And they are open to learning, they're open to being wrong, they're open to um, all of these things. And they've just got the years and experience know that they're not. So they might be, they, someone might go, yeah, but you're wrong. So well, no, here are the reasons why, and the facts that I know that I'm not. This is why I'm telling you to do this thing in this course of action or whatever it is. Yeah. But you provide an explanation. Correct. There's a substance to it rather than just being. Militant, just. Yeah. 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 Which is exactly the opposite and just closes people um, up from feeling you know, valued, effective. valued, and having having the opportunity to say what they want. So, yeah. So, and that's what kills culture. Awesome, awesome. Um, so, we're at the end of the end interview, and I've got a couple of questions there for you. Shoot. First one: Any advice you'd like to give someone looking to start a fitness business? To start a fitness business, uh, whether it be fitness, martial arts, etc., uh, know what it is that you want to do. So if it is just, oh, I want to help people get fit, that's rad. Why do you want them to? Understand the hows and the whys. What's your motivation for doing it? Um, because, again, you want to be congruent with what you actually want. So it's one thing to just go, yes, I'm going to teach people martial arts. Why? Oh, well, I, I want to train people to fight. Awesome, and train people to fight. If it's to... Um, help people uh, lose weight, then help people lose weight. If you understand the full gamma of 
benefits, then make sure you understand the full gamut of benefits. Mm. Don't allude to them, but never actually explain to them. Um, and just make sure that you follow it through and get it done. Like there's, there's no other way to do it apart from just do it. Mm. So have a plan, understand your own plan, make sure that it is what you want to do because people when they train with you will know whether you're happy to be there or not. And they're, they're paying for your hour and that time, energy and everything that I put into that one hour that's priceless. It is absolutely priceless. Not saying, oh, how much do you think it's worth? I know it because I'm distilling knowledge. I'm distilling work experience. I'm lived experience and into this. And the number of times I get people rock in and they're here to learn Muay Thai BJJ and we end up talking for an hour on all matters of life and whatever they're, they're going through. That's a very important aspect of it. And all that in summary is important because running business is tough and you yeah. will come across times where it's so tough where if your motivations weren't strong enough, then... Yeah, if they weren't true, yeah. then you, you, you will fail. Yeah. But if you know why you want to do it, why you want to open up a gym, what it is you want to achieve, then through the darkest, you know, shutdown of corona or whatever it is, you'll, you'll be going, okay, let's go. Mm. Let's go. Absolutely. So important. What would be your top three things for the listener of this podcast? After listening to everything we said today, what would you want them to walk, quote unquote, walk away with after listening? So today? number one is you are not made for mediocrity. No one is. Um, and if, and I mean that it's total, total, you know, uh, that statement is that you, you are not listening to this podcast because you're just driving home and you're listening to a thing. You, you want to be, you know, uh, you want to be inspired. You want to be successful. So go get it. And the second thing would be uh, challenge the story. So what you believe to be true and what you believe to be, you know, what you're limited by and all this kind of deal, mm -hmm. challenge it. Because you'll probably find out it's false. It's actually wrong. It never happened. Um, great example of that is you, you, you know, ask people, how do you go with public speaking? And they go, oh, I hate public speaking. And you go, why? Oh, dude, I've, I've always sucked at it. It's like, when was the last time you did it? School. Right. So you did a thing in school. You were uncomfortable with it. And now you believe you hate it. Wow. That's... That's big and it's false. Mm. Did you fail at it? No, I actually got okay marks for it. Right. Oh, I just didn't like it. I was very uncomfortable. Right. You just told me you hate it. <laughs> Challenge it. Challenge the story because you might find that it's false. Mm -hmm. And right. when it's false, you're now left again with the decision going, okay, crap, now what? It's like, yeah, it's that point of this going, oh, crap, I thought this was true. It's not. I can actually do public speaking. Right, so how many opportunities have you missed out on? Because you believed you hated public speaking. Man, I didn't do a speech at my brother's wedding because it's like, right. You could have gone and done a conference, but you didn't because you were, oh, no, public speaking. You could have actually done it. 
Who knows where that would have led? Didn't challenge the comfort zone. Correct. It's exactly it. What's number three? Number three would be... <sighs> life happens, training is a constant. So it's written on the wall downstairs. It's written up here. It's one of the, one of the things I live by is that life happens. Uh, training is always going to be here. So regardless of whether you are, you know, going through a divorce, you're going through uh, a trial or tragedy of some sort, training's always there, always, full stop. You might be uh, very hesitant to go, you might be in a really bad spot, but it'll always be there and those people will always be there. And it's this constant backup, effectively, like the number of times I've had people rock in and just sit in the gym not train, just come in because they just needed to get out of their own headspace or their own instance and just sit. It's been amazing. But, yeah, life happens. Training is a constant. It'll always be here. So go, get it done. It's about that discipline. Yeah, and also understanding that, okay, I might need to take a week off. I might need to take two weeks off. Mm. Training's always there. So when you are healed, when you are ready, when you've grieved, when you've whatever, get back to it. It's there. And no one will think less of you. Oh, I'm only benching 90, I was benching 130 before. No one cares. Just keep that continuum. Don't, yep. don't stop. Yeah. So challenge the mediocrity, challenge the story, and keep on training. I yeah. love it. I love it. Now, Mitch, we've got listeners from all around the world. But we also have some listeners that might be living in Canberra. Is there anything that you'd like to offer them? Obviously, you're you know, running this amazing place. So we offer, um, we offer the first week of training complimentary because it's super important to understand what it is you're walking into. And uh, so, yeah, you've got nothing to lose. Just jump in, give it a go. You might like it. You might be out of your comfort zone, but be challenged by it. Uh, if general classes, you know, due to a multitude of reasons, uh, might not be your jam, we offer the first one-on-one -on -one private training session complimentary. Um, and for those of you around the globe, we have our Dark Art of the Online Academy. Uh, the links are through our website and it's hosted on Vimeo currently. Excellent. So you can just jump on and train with us wherever you are in the world. I love it. So how can people find you in this gym? The links again, Dark Carnival. Yep. So uh, darkcarnival.com.au uh, mm -hmm. is the website. Um, is it in one word, no yep. dash? So we, we, we have, that's a whole website formatting error. <laughs> uh, we took out both with the dash and one word, but it was formatted on the website as dark-carnival. Yeah, right. So we yet to correct that. You're just going to redirect it to whichever one yep, you... It'll, 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 it'll be fixed up in the next couple of weeks. It'll be awesome. Sweet. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we have um, uh, Facebook. So just look up Dark Carnival Canberra and you will pop up. And then uh, Dark Carnival underscore CBR on Instagram. And you just jump on there and, yeah, click follow. We've also got a YouTube channel, um, Dark Carnival uh, on, on there, Dark Carnival Martial Arts. And, yeah, all our funny stuff is on there that we randomly plug in. So, yeah. I love it. I love it. There's some really good videos, and there's also a good one on how you tie a belt, which is pretty good. <laughs> the most common. <laughs> awesome. Mitch, 
Thank you for your time. I no, appreciate you, you being on the show. Um, lots of wisdom, lots of great value provided to our guests today, to our listeners, uh, listeners today. Um, so thank you for, for taking a time out of your schedule. And obviously it's Sunday today and you could have been with your family and you decided to do this. So once again, it's, it's thank you. It. Uh, for those of you guys listening or watching this on YouTube, um, thank you as well for tuning in and listening to all the way to the very end. As always, I keep the best stuff at the end, any specials, any cool stuff for you. As always, I try to work something out for you guys. So thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed today's episode and if it provided some form of value to you, um, then please do me a favor. If you could share it with your mates on social media, um, you know, with this show, you can really help me grow the show, make more impact, and I uh, really appreciate that. So thank you again for everybody, and have a great rest of your day, everybody.